Hi, I'm Cam. And I'm Katie. And this is the Nerdbook Review. Today we will be reviewing Six of Crows by Lee Bardugo, published in 2015. It is part of a duology. The second book, The Crooked Kingdom, was published last year, and it is set in the same world as the Grisha. Is it Grisha? Grisha? I call it, I say Grisha in my head. I say Grisha in my head, but... Okay, so the Grisha trilogy, which, which was written from 2012 to 2014. It is 462 pages long. It won a bunch of Young Adult Awards, including the Fan Choice for Young Adult Fantasy and Science Fiction on Goodreads, which we use for the book cover blurb. I was unaware that it was a young adult novel as I was reading, which will have changed my opinion of the book as we will talk about. Yeah, and I... I also didn't know it was a young adult novel, but I also like young adult novels, so it doesn't bother me either way. (laughs) So let's go ahead and have Katie read the Goodreads blurb for the book cover. Oh, and this time I actually understand because in the outro to the other one, I had a hard time because there was no uh, punctuation. It's because it was a list. Like it was written as a list and then another paragraph. So there were no periods at the ends of the list. So on, I think on my phone, it just showed it as a single paragraph, but on the browser Goodreads, it had it yes. properly. Criminal prodigy Kaz Brecker has been offered wealth beyond his wildest dreams, but to claim it, he'll have to pull off a seemingly impossible heist. He'll have to break into the notorious ice court, a military stronghold that has never been breached, retrieve a hostage who could unleash magical havoc on the world and survive long enough to collect his reward and spend it. Kaz needs a crew desperate enough to take on this suicide mission and dangerous enough to get the job done, and he knows exactly who. Six of the deadliest outcasts the city has to offer. Together, they just might be unstoppable if they don't kill each other first. And as usual, I will give you my quick take. It's Ocean's Eleven, set in a fictional world with magic and industrial revolution level tech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, the world is set in, like I said, about industrial revolution, maybe World War One level tech for military, but more like an early industrial revolution for everything else is what I got. The main city is Ketterdam, which actually the author says she based off of Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought more Venice. But, but there's that... a lot of canals. Yeah. And I know Amsterdam has canals as well, but I just saw it as more of like a, a pure island city like Venice. Yeah, well, because they talk about the different areas, and then also there's a few places that I think they say not having a boat is basically... Yeah. Like, there's bridges, but you yeah. can't get anywhere quickly, so they don't necessarily have like horses and carriages and stuff. Yeah, and all the big like mansions and everything are, are on the wall, you know, set up with their own private gondola. Yeah, their own docks. Their own and... docks, yeah. Yeah, well, did they call them gondolas? I feel like there was a gondola. It was just yeah. called a gondola. Yeah. That's why it was slightly different. Yep. <laughs> so it is meant to be like the city of Amsterdam. Like I, both of us, I guess, kind of got more Venice, but that's not a big deal. People-wise... I definitely saw more like the Dutch influence, you know, of Amsterdam and the Netherlands. Yeah, and the like the names of things, the language, when you get a couple words, it was more Dutch. Dutch. Yep. Yeah. Um, and oh, the... man, and the the Dutch love their J's and Y's. Oh man, it makes <laughs> it really hard to design things to translate a design into Dutch because I've had to do that a few times. Oh yeah, with your last job. No, it was actually through my Etsy stuff. Oh really? Yeah. So I had a Dutch boss at my last job. I never had to do anything in Dutch. Oh okay. However, I would make little designs, and then Dutch photographers would want me to translate them so they could put them on their pictures. I see. So 
Did not know that. Yeah. So, um, and then the other main area the t- book takes place is in the ice core, as it said, which is in, is it Fierda? That's what I thought. Okay, yeah. Which is based loosely more, off of, like, the Nordic countries. Yeah, Nordic. This is a made-up world, but it's a pretty easy made-up world. You see a map at the beginning of the book, and you see Ketterdam, which is kind of at the bottom in this map. It's like an island. An island city. And then there's basically like four or five other kingdoms. Yeah, there's like a, a China-like one, a yeah. Russia-like one, which I believe is the basis for the other trilogy. Mm, okay. I guess not the other trilogy. The trilogy. The trilogy. Duology. Duology. Yeah. Whatever. And then uh, there's one that I don't know that it was clearly Celtic, but they had red hair and they were pale. Yeah. So I just yeah. felt like they were like Scottish Irish. And then one that is like southern and they're darker, so I just assumed India. Yeah, they're not in yet. my head. Yep. And I think there was one other one that I never quite got. They were darker. Yeah, I don't remember if I saw it on the map. It must have it been is, on the other continent, like the it's where Novia. where Jesper's from. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, but so the southern area of the continent. So there's two but continents, kind of. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and then there's also like the nomadic, like gypsies yeah. that don't have their own home. But think of them more as, as like the traveling entertainers that we've talked about in other books. So think like Edema Rue in Name of the Wind. Easy enough world. If you like that, if the world matters to you, this is uh, an easy one to know where you were, basically. Yeah, and sometimes if I don't get a good picture of someone in my mind, when they're first described, I have a hard time remembering like in my head what they look mm-hmm. like when I'm picturing things. But remember, like they would, everyone's want to remind you that, oh, this is a Suli girl. And so you can picture she like she's thin and small and mm-hmm. darker, I believe. So there, there's six points of view, but I'd say Kaz and Inej, the Wraith, are the two that you see the most points. Like, I think there was quite a few of Jesper too. Yeah, especially like later on, like mm-hmm. not at the beginning. Yeah, because I mean, in the fact that it's like a uh, Ocean's Eleven thing, they're not always in the same place. Yeah. So that's how they'll use one person that's in that place mm-hmm. to describe it for all of those people. Yeah. So if you like different points of view, there are six of them, and they are, if not equal, you know, each of the six has their point of view more than, you know, multiple occasions. Yeah, and they're they're all interesting. They have different personalities, and I, I feel like they're all developed pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, an issue that I had, but I don't now was that the oldest of them was like 18. So I don't really figure, like understand before I realized this was a young adult novel, how you could have six people who are teenagers, the oldest of whom was like 19, mm-hmm. maybe 18 with, with Matthias, and somehow be the deadliest, most experienced I don't think they ever claimed to be that. Crew. Yeah, but Kaz, he's only like 17, mm-hmm. and he is considered like among the deadliest in the entire city but i think that's kind of described in that they feel he's the deadliest because he has no nothing he won't do yeah he has no morals so that's why he's scary to people is that they literally don't know what he would do yeah how far he would go that's true but i think that it would take more than about three years to get your a true reputation in a in a city that's supposedly basically run by the either the merchants or the crime bosses you know yeah i don't know i just find it hard to well i think to see them as really i mean it opens up on a scene showing you yeah like that he's clever yeah well i'm not saying he's not careful and vicious yeah so it's not completely out of the realm 
No, it's but not. But it's definitely geared towards someone that would be about that age. Yeah. So, I mean, we I understand now that since this is meant for, I think, young adults considered like 14 to 21 as the, like their wheelhouse age group. Mm-hmm. So I understand why all of the people <laughs> are, are this, you know, in that age bracket. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, when you look at the characters themselves, like Inez, she has a reason why she's the Wraith and why she's good at it. Yep. And Nina, she has, she's a Grisha. She has powers and she was trained well. Yep. Matthias was also trained I personally believe that there's a, more to why Jesper is such a good shooter. And uh, Wyland doesn't seem to, isn't special. And they say that. Mm-hmm. So he's, yeah. he's just smart. He doesn't have any experience or special yep. know how. Yeah. So. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So the main storyline, as we just talked about all the characters, is Kaz sets up the gang to try to get a scientists broken out of the ice court the scientist has created a drug that makes the grisha who we will talk more about as um here in a minute they already have superhuman powers but it makes them like truly superhuman powers think like superman level power you know they they gain the ability to fly i mean just get crazy powers type of you know depending on what they are yeah and i believe the trilogy explains them better Mm-hmm. But you definitely, we haven't read that. It, no. It's, de- it's not a prerequisite for reading this and understanding things. No. One thing, though, because Parem, the drug that mm-hmm. it's describing, is based on another drug that I can't remember the name of that's widely used as a stimulant. And I just think it's funny how it's so widely used. Mm-hmm. But Apparently, I mean, it's just like popping it all day long. Yeah. Well, I mean, look at certain cultures uh, in, like, for example, the South America. Mm-hmm. The leaves from the coca tree, which are mild narcotics, mm-hmm. people chew them all the time, especially in certain areas. It's not considered um, a big deal. In fact, like in a lot of countries that had the war on drugs where they basically tried to cut all the coca trees down, you know, and get rid of as much cocaine as possible. Well, since that's ended, a lot of countries have actually re-legalized it. Mm-hmm. The coca trees, and you're not supposed to, you know, make it into real cocaine, but chewing the leaves is a much milder form of stimulant. Mm-hmm. And that's something that's, you know, that's done. And there's other places where they chew on leaves, you know, various leaves that, yeah. that are stimulants too. So it's a lot more common, or it was a lot more common, you know, back in the day in certain places. Yeah. Oh, and I think it's Yurda, yeah, J-U-R-D-A. Probably. But yeah, it's, they don't seem to do much with it. They yeah. just kind of... Just kind of chew it. Well, I mean, they don't like refine it or anything. Oh, no, And no, that's no. kind of the issue here is that somebody did that. Yeah. They messed with it. Yeah. I guess, and made like... The cocaine heroin version. So it makes them even more powerful, but it's crazy addictive. I mean, apparently some Grisha aren't addicted after the first time, but everybody has been after the second try. And if they aren't after the first time, they still might just die. Yeah, because it's crazy. Think like heroin level uh, withdrawals. Yeah, I think they say it, it doesn't get out of your system completely. Yeah. So yeah. And then, crazy. Yeah. And then you basically, most people die pretty quickly. They don't eat or, you know, care about anything else. So the Grisha, they're the magic users. Um, they're broken down into three classes. You have the Corporalki, um, the Order of the Living and the Dead. So the, the Heart Renders, they kill people. Uh, healers obviously heal people. Then you have the uh, Etherealki, or the Order of the Summoners. So you have what, what are called Squallers. They control wind, Inferni, fire, and Tidemakers control water. And then you have the materialki, which aren't quite as talked about in the, the book. 
this book, but... Yeah, not too much. Yeah, they're the Durists, so, like, they can pull metal out of things and control and move the metal. And then al- alchemy. I don't know that it's really described much at all in this one. No, but I think that they make things, basically, like, better. Yeah, well, a lot of what this one deals with is Nina is a heart render, so she can control the human body when she sees it. So she yeah. can stop someone's pulse. She can calm people down. Yeah. Uh, another thing that... The Corporalki, some of them can change your appearance. Mm-hmm. So each one of these orders has smaller things that can be done. These are just... Like the big... Yeah, yeah. The, the big categories. Yep. And they're not like crazy powerful for the most part. You have to be within sight of someone and you have to be able to use your hands. You yeah, know? like if they cover your palms, then you can't yeah. do it. And you also have to be trained. Like you have to... You have to spend time developing your gift. You know, just because another heart render can do more things than you, you may not be able to ever do everything that that person can do yeah. as a heart render. And then you have basically like the hedge witch versions. Like they can do like one thing that they've learned to do naturally. And so they'll be like, maybe you'll have an oracle who's supposed to be a good healer somewhere off in, mm-hmm. the, in the boonies, you know. And some of them are real. Some of them are, are just legends. Yeah, so there's... A- you know, always people, depending on the country, they're either accepted or hunted. Mm-hmm. So they'll go from place to place. And this is probably in the Grisha trilogy, but but basically the Grisha have... The place that liked them the most was Revka, the one that's based off of Russia. And they, at some point in the near past, had had a civil war where the Grisha fought each other, and now they're not as powerful. And the group that hates the Grisha are more ascendant in power, and so they often will actually go out and try to um, hunt them down and kill them. Yeah, well, they want to capture them to put them on trial and kill them. Yes. And then the Ravkins want to find them and convince them to join their army. But So they're trying to rebuild the army. They haven't done that yet. Um, It doesn't talk too much about the... uh, other areas in this one, I imagine that probably more talked about in maybe the second book. For maybe I think it's pretty much set. When you read the, I just read the synopsis of the first one, and it's about somebody that I think was in the first army, and then discovered she could heal and was put into the second army. Okay, so at this point though, there isn't anyone like who completely dominates any one area of the. They you basically have your own sphere, but. People look like they're definitely trying to gear up for that. And then uh, Kirch, basically they only care about money and trade. They, I mean, legitimately that's all they care about. Yeah. Yeah. She definitely had a game plan when she put this book together. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts in it. I didn't love the book, but that has a lot to do with me feeling like it was a little too simplistic and that some of the characters you knew what they were going to do they follow you know the 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 basic pattern you have the the noble warrior who fell and is shamed because of love you have you know the diabolical gang leader who has some sort of trauma but you know like wants to get better the lady with the heart of gold that's not really a prostitute but kind of you know people think she was with Nina and then I don't think I ever really felt like there was too much doubt that things were going to go the way that I that ended up going. Yeah. Well, I I thought that maybe something would happen just because I'm used to reading books where things happen. I also didn't know it was a young adult novel. Mm-hmm. It didn't bother me too much that it was so like formulaic. I 
I don't know. I felt like there was enough in it that it wasn't like too tropey. Like, I don't know. I enjoyed the characters. I liked reading their different perspectives. I felt like they all felt like different characters, Mm -hmm. which is important to me when I'm reading different perspectives. Yeah, the characters are all definitely independent of each other. Like, they have their own defined roles. They're not cookie cutters of each other. Well, yeah, no, I, like, I could probably read two paragraphs of one and have an idea of who it was, you know, without any context of where they were or what they were doing. Uh, so that I liked. Um, I also, you know, I liked the book. I did. I am not bothered by, I've always really, even before I was old enough technically to be reading young adult novels, I loved young adult novels. Mm -hmm. And I still do, so... And, and I loved young adult novels when I was younger, but I don't necessarily, I like for there to be like more of a moralistic, like The Broken Earth is amazing, not only because of the writing, but because of basically the, the struggle that you know that they're going to go through and the, the, the hard decisions people are making about good and good and bad, you know? Mm-hmm. I just felt like this young adult, like it was meant for a younger audience than for, you know, the kind of books that I generally like to. Yeah. I don't feel like they had many hard decisions at all. No. Yeah. They're doing what they're going to do. They don't care who it hurts, but they're not really, I mean, people die, but. Yeah, but nobody, well, there's no. There are no Prince of Thorns. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if I would have known that this was a young adult novel, I would have liked it a lot better. Yeah. Like, the rating that I'm going to give it is based on it being a young adult novel. I mean, it still is probably the least favorite of the books we've read so far of mine. Mm -hmm. But that's not... But I don't necessarily think it's a bad book. I just didn't realize that it was supposed to be a young adult novel. Especially being as long as it is. It's it's 456 pages. That's a fairly decent, you know, length novel. It is? I mean... What is a novel supposed to be? Like, I am broken by these long fantasy books that we read... Oh, yeah. that's a short book to me and i don't i know but it's funny too like we've read a big variety of book lengths in this compared to what i feel like we've normally read mm-hmm. we haven't talked about when we're going to get around to the malazan series I mean, or it's still in progress but some of those books i mean they're like 1300 pages long you know i think the shortest one is like 900 pages long mm-hmm. but some of these books that we've read i mean the broken earth one was only in the 500s wasn't it we decided yeah, and that was an that amazing long. novel but I've always thought of a, a real legit um, fantasy novel should be somewhere in the, like, around 800 pages or so, you know, I think yeah. is a pretty good. But this one, I don't know, at 456 pages, it still seemed like a substantial enough novel. Like, I didn't, I don't feel like she skimped any of the details. Yeah, you hear that, uh, fantasy authors? Cameron wants a 1,200-page book every two years. Get on it. Oh, man. <laughs> also, I really feel like fantasy uh, authors... You guys need to go Malazan level nerdy. Let's be honest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, so I just, I'm more torn because I didn't realize that this was a young adult novel until last night when I started putting the outline together and I looked it up and I'm like... Until it was too late. Until it was way too late to have my opinions formed about it. Mm -hmm. So obviously the main audience is 14 to 21 (laughs) um but if you enjoy like young adult books then i think you'll like it yeah yeah i'm sure you will within the range yeah that's something that you like and i you know and i didn't dislike the book i just don't necessarily know that 
I would have gone back and knowing what I know now, had it be a book that I would have read in the first place, you know? But that's, you know, me being a a book snob, I guess, at least a little bit. It would have been, you know, it was a great airplane read. Oh, yeah. I actually downloaded the second one last week because I had to go to Portland for work for in one day I was going there and coming back. I was like, this is going to be a good one for on a plane. Yeah. And this book had a decent uh, cliffhanger, too. Yeah, it did. I was like, you know what? It's good to just continue it rather than one that I know will probably want to review, like The Next Broken Earth or Mm -hmm. The King of Thorns. So Yeah. So giving it a rating, then, I'm going to give it a four-ish again. I wouldn't have given it a four-ish the first time around. Oh, that's not what I did rate it before I realized. Well, what did you have it? I had it like a three, yeah. which for me in these books is pretty low. But once again, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not the audience for this book, you know? And I didn't know that going into <laughs> it. So I really do feel like I have... You feel like it's a four-star book, but for you it's a three-star. Yeah. Kind of like when, except now they don't do it anymore, Amazon, it didn't give you the overall review. It gave you their estimated review for you. Yeah kind of thing yeah and netflix used to do that too isn't that what i said you said amazon oh i meant netflix oh, okay sorry. sorry but that's today even i just get so mad because now it doesn't give you that star <laughs> and i want to see it it gives you like something else i don't something stupid yeah netflix bring it back <laughs> but yeah so it's just honestly i don't know once we start editing this podcast episode and put it out there i really haven't got I know that I'm going to sound far more negative about this book than... I think we say that on every book. We're like, we sound super negative, but read it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I'm i not recommending it to someone that doesn't like young adult novels still. Yeah. I mean, there are some that I... Lo- I mean, I still love the Harry Potter books. Yeah. But that's totally oh, different I than... I love so much Harry Potter. <laughs> For some reason, I have two copies of the Half-Blood Prince I found... Oh, yeah, that's actually because one of those is mine. Okay, I was like, I swear I had this in hard copy. Why do I have a soft cover? <laughs> so you have one Harry Potter book. Uh, yeah, well, I think that I borrowed most of the rest. Oh. And then that one, for some reason or another, I either borrowed from someone and never gave it back, or I bought it. I can't remember. I mean, or, like, you had, you only had two Song of Ice and Fire books, and they were both Dance with Dragons. Oh, yeah, no. Because they sent you two copies, yeah, and, they... but then... uh. We have them all on Kindle because my dad was using our Kindle and had me buy them through there so that he could finish <laughs> reading them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, because we pre-ordered the, the Song of Ice and Fire or the, the Dances with Dragons, right? Yeah. Yeah. And Amazon sent me two copies. Yeah. So I guess if anyone from there ever hears, sorry, I got two copies years ago. Well, hey, we had just started dating like four months before that and you gave one to me. So oh, there we are. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so this book was not for me, but I still think that it's a good, I mean, it won a lot of awards for in the youth, you know, young adult category. So it's clearly a good book. It's just, I mean, you liked it because you still like those books more than I do. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would also give it a four star knowing that it's a young adult book and also not knowing it was a young adult book. I felt it was about there too. Yeah. But I also, like, I could go tomorrow and read His Dark Materials and enjoy it. Like, I like mm-hmm. them still. I can reread the Narnia books and be happy, so. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, going back real quick, just because I don't think we actually, in, we alluded to it, but we never said it specifically. There is no sex or bad language. And... They discuss sex, not, like, graphically, 
Do they? When? Well, they discuss that sex happens. Oh, okay. Because one of them was a prostitute. But Inej was a, I thought that she never actually... I thought they didn't she actually prostitute. She was for a year. Oh, you're right. She was a whore for a year. This is why I should no longer read these books three weeks in advance. You don't read books anyway. Like, you read them and you skip over parts and no. you don't remember them. I don't skip over. <laughs> yeah, you do because you speed read. Oh, whatever. It's. I think it was the Brent Weeks one. I was saying something. You're like, I don't remember that at all. While you were still reading it like four chapters later. Oh, yeah. We definitely need to go back and review a Brent Weeks book, though. Oh, yeah. I Yeah. I mean, this, I agree. this probably isn't where we should be. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. Should we review the trilogy I haven't read, though? Because I'm not as interested in that. I don't even know if I've read a synopsis. I think you just kind of blah blah at me. I got a real black company feel out of that. So, as we've said, this is a young adult book. And it's very easily uh, the 14 to 21 range. Um, you clearly could have your younger teen read it. There isn't any like real described violence or yeah. sex People or die. even real bad language. People die. There are prostitutes. It talks about essentially being raped because you're a prostitute, but it's not graphic or anything. It's just talking about like having feelings about it. Yeah. Um. I mean, there's death. There's slavery. There's slavery. I guess kidnapping into slavery. Yeah. But, yeah. But it's it's easy, uh, unless you're the strictest of parents and you're probably not uh, listening to this podcast, Yeah. Then, uh, then this is a book that yeah, a young teen can read. Yeah. It's... Nothing is described in a vulgar way. Mm-mm. And it's easy to kind of separate... The things as this is in a fantasy world and these people are not good people. And because you're seeing inside of all of them, it's easier to see their struggles with what they're doing, mm-hmm. which helps it out. Alrighty then. Yeah, there you go. So before we get into the review, I would just like to mention that I'm sorry if we sound real low energy. We're both like second day colds right now. <laughs> yeah. So it's possible tomorrow will be the worst day. I'm hoping that it's just all like smooth sailing from here. <laughs> Hopefully. But yeah. and I uh, took cold medicine about 30 minutes before we started this <laughs> so that I would do less coughing and sniffling. So that's probably really not helping me. Yeah. And then it didn't help that Bran wanted night like good night kisses over and over and over we kept leaving him in his like he usually goes to bed at eight just perfectly happy he gets a couple like good night kisses and we say good night and then leave we kept hearing over the monitor mama a dada a dada kisses and And we had to go in there like four times over like the next half hour (laughs) yes oh yeah so that kept us uh going a little longer before this started so hence why Cameron's medicine happened 30 minutes before this. <laughs> so on our next review, we will be having another guest reviewer. Cameron will be in the review, his friend Chris Hazen, and I may or may not actually participate, but I will be reading the book. So then we'll decide if my opinions are varied enough from theirs <laughs> to shove three of us in this room. Yes. So The Affinities was written in 2015 by... Robert Charles Wilson. It has an extremely long Goodreads (laughs) synopsis, so Katie is going to shorten that down a bit. 
In our rapidly changing world of social media, everyday people are more and more able to sort themselves into social groups based on finer and finer criteria. In the affinities, this process is supercharged by new analytic technologies, genetic, brain mapping, behavioral. To join one of the 22 affinities is to change one's life. It's like family, and more than family. Your fellow members aren't just like you, and they aren't just people who are likely to like you. They're also the people with whom you can best cooperate in all areas of life, creative, interpersonal, even financial. At loose ends both professional and personal, young Adam Fisk takes the suite of tests to see whether he qualifies for any of the affinities and finds that he's a match for one of the largest, the one called Tau. It's utopian at first, dot dot dot, I'm not going to read the rest of it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so the affinities are like fraternities and sororities on steroids, and they don't turn out quite the way everyone hopes. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yes. Alrighty then, we hope that you have a good couple of weeks and have a chance to read the book. Once again, rate us and review us and... Email us at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. You can visit our website to get links to either our Goodreads or I guess to email us or whatever you want at nerdbookreview at gmail.com. <laughs> Eventually we'll put more stuff up there no, that makes it worthwhile. At nerdbookreview.com. You said yeah. at gmail.com. Okay, so don't visit our email address as a web address. That yeah. would be the first step. Yeah. And then go to <laughs> nerdbookreview.com. Yes, we apologize. Once again, cold medicine. We uh, This went a lot later than hey, we thought. I didn't take any cold medicine. So you... This is my own adult brain. Okay. On its own adult thoughts. <laughs> All righty then. Well, we thank you for listening. We hope you have a good one. Have a good week. I can't say outcast. <laughs> I feel like it's too many pepper. Pepper, come here. Pepper. Good girl. Oh, she's so good sometimes, but never. Oh, she's, stupid. <laughs> she's so pretty, but stupid.